Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show, a roughly one-hour, unscripted, interactive, conversational Bible study between a group of, well, genuine misfits transformed by God's amazing grace. My name is Zach Adams. I'm a Christ follower, husband of one, father of three, who's been incredibly blessed to pastor the greatest church in the world. Calvary 316. We're located just outside of Athens, Georgia. If you'd like to learn more about our church, uh, check out calvary316.com. Tonight, I'm joined in the studio, uh, as I am most weeks, by two of my brothers, uh, Mr. Nicholas Monty, Derek Kennedy. Welcome, Hello, guys. everyone. I, th- I, th- I thought you forgot our name for a second. <laughs> You're like, I, well, I was, two of my I was, brothers. I was kind of um, like adding a little dramatic <laughs> pause to it, you yeah. know, setting it up. Um, like, how are you guys doing? Good. Yeah. It's been a long week. We're good. Been a long week. We're just yeah. in the middle. It's hump day, right? Hump, hump day. day. Woo, woo, Nick. What's up? Um, on behalf of the Outlaw Radio family, Calvary 316 family, I know that you um, lost your grandmother today, correct? Uh, yesterday. Yesterday. It was yesterday. Yeah. Last night? Last night, around 5 o'clock. Around 5 o'clock. Man, our condolences. I know that she had been, she had been battling you know, dementia and that that's always a really tough thing for, for any family to go through and navigate. So man, our, our thoughts and prayers with the Monty family, with your mom. Yep. Um, I know that, uh, obviously, uh, it's tough. It's rough. She's in glory though. Correct. She is. So she knows Jesus. So this is, this is, uh, she is in her full mind. Correct. And now she is. That's the best thing we can hope for. <laughs> and, and there's a, there's a bit of consolation to that. I mean, I mean, I know that Losing someone is tough. I, I haven't lost a, a grandparent yet, interestingly enough. But I mean, there's great consolation knowing that she's been healed and and is and is is whole, right? Yeah, a great. Yeah, it brings great peace. Great to great. know it. When's the funeral? Friday. Funeral will be Friday. So, uh, Outlaw Radio family, pray for the Monty family and uh, what they're going through <clears throat> over the next couple days. Um, I, I'm also joined in studio uh, by the man that needs no introduction, the maestro behind the madness, the producer of this dysfunction, my partner in crime, Mr. Creighton Vaughn. Uh, the, the board, you, you kind of weighed in on wanting that changed a little bit. The, the board vetoed your suggestion. I'm sorry, uh, the board? The board. Yeah, who's feel, on the board? I feel board? like it's a bit disingenuous. There's only one <laughs> there person on board. the board. <laughs> yeah. There was a board decision, a board meeting. Uh, we took your, your suggestions you wanted it to be the the maestro. What what was it of the madness with with, with the, the madness? madness. madness. Yeah, no, you're no, you're behind the madness. So I do welcome you to the show. For those of you that are unaware, Creighton uh, is the one. You can see actually the gear on the screen. Um, he's the one mixing the live stream, uh, recording, uh, monitoring. He's again the, the the maestro behind the madness. So Creighton, welcome uh, to the Outlaw Radio Show. If you are new, very quickly. Uh, let me explain how this show works. First, the show is unscripted. We'll get to that in a second, but I have no idea uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight any more than you do. Uh, the only person that knows that has a clue is Creighton, the producer, and he'll drop a topic in just a few minutes that we're going to spend time talking about and unpacking. Uh, secondly, the show is interactive, and that's really an important thing because we are uh, streaming live on both Facebook uh, Facebook.com slash The Radio Outlaw, as well as our YouTube page, uh, outlawradio.live. If you're watching and God puts a question in your mind or impresses a thought on your heart, please share it. 
Uh, you can do so by just going to the comments section uh, below the video, uh, typing in your thought, your question. Creighton is monitoring uh, those uh, two feeds, and uh, periodically we'll be bringing uh, some of that into the show. So it is unscripted, it's interactive, and lastly, while I'll set the tone and kind of the direction of the show, um, it is designed, the Outlaw Radio Show is designed to be a conversation on topics that are related to God's Word uh, between brothers. Um, as such, Derek and Nick Creighton are free to kind of interject uh, any thought, any question at any, at any point. Uh, throughout tonight's episode again roughly one hour and uh, we've been real good at landing uh, somewhere around the one hour mark and so we don't want to take up too much of your time uh, on your Wednesday night but uh, but stay with us uh, we're gonna have some fun with all that out of the way Creighton is <laughs> uh, always kind of uh, scary to do this uh, but what uh, what in the world are we gonna be talking about tonight Okay, so last week we talked about what it meant to be a servant. Um, and I thought we had some really good, great conversation about that, what bond servant means. Um, and our, during the course of that conversation, you made the comment that um, the three of us, meaning me, Nick, and uh, Derek, I almost called Deal you Neil. Da- I almost Daddy. called you Neil, and your name is not Neil. <laughs> yeah. Just Nick and it's Neil close. go together. Yeah. Anyway, um, you made the comment that we are all in ministry but that you're a full-time minister. Okay. Um, and as someone who's grown up in the South, I have a certain amount of Christianese baked into my subconscious, like the word minister, which a lot of people use um, in a way with the same reverence of like the word priest or pastor. Um, and even I think those are a little bit overgrandized. But I want to know, what does it actually mean to be a minister and if we get there, how does someone become a minister? How does someone join the ministry? Hmm. That is a very broad uh, question that has a, a lot of different angles that we can take. Uh, let me start by just um, providing a little bit of my own history, if you guys don't mind. Uh, just a little bit about my story and kind of how I, uh, you know, you personalized the question uh, to a comment that I made last week of being in and what we would call vocational ministry or full-time ministry, meaning I get paid by a church uh, to do ministry full-time. And and I'll unpack what that means and and contrast it to, I think, a a broader idea that needs to be addressed. So don't let me forget that. Okay. But just within my own story, so like you, born and raised in the South, um, unique uh, to really both of us, um, but I'm, I'm 10 years older than you, so, I, so I'll say it's probably a little bit more applicable uh, to my generation than, than, than yours. Um, my dad started a Calvary Chapel church, uh, a non-denominational, uh, verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter, uh, Bible-teaching church um, in September of 1980. He was 22 years old. Growing up, again, Southern Baptist, growing up in, you know, denomination, um, had gotten burnt out on what we would call organized religion, or at least definitely the expression of Christianity in the South during that particular time period. Went to a, a largely a fire and brimstone uh, style church, which most people did. 
started going, I, I believe, to Charles Stanley, First Baptist uh, of Atlanta. Uh, started getting exposed to a little bit of a different brand of, of Baptistism, <laughs> if that's a word. Um, anyway, started listening, was exposed to Pastor Chuck Smith on the radio. He was working at, I believe it was DuPont, working in a warehouse um, at the time. And on his lunch breaks, uh, would, would go out and, and tune in onto the radio this, this pastor that was in California, this non-denominational pastor that had just kind of cut through all of the traditionalism, all of the legalism, all of the isms, and was just simply teaching God's word simply. Pastor Chuck Smith. He had started Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. And my dad found that so refreshing. Like people were free to just come as they were. Uh, a lot of hippies had, had come to the Lord from the early, uh, the, the late 60s to the early 70s, which was what was kind of the beginning of, of what people know as the Jesus movement. Started there, uh, not, not necessarily started, but Calvary Chapel was at the, the ground zero for, for the Jesus movement and some of the things that were happening. And there were other denominations that spun off of it, uh, or church movements, Foursquare, Vineyard, Calvary Chapel was one of them. In fact, there's an iconic photo, Time Magazine, of just thousands and thousands and thousands of hippies um, who had kind of gotten burnt out on the, the, you know, the love culture um, that, had, that had given their life to Jesus. And Pastor Chuck was just teaching the Bible, and he allowed, I mean, the, the hippies were accepted. He allowed them to, to, to bring in their musical influences into the church culture. It was kind of the beginning of, of what we would call contemporary Christian music, contemporary worship music. Uh, this picture of thousands of people there at what's called the Cove in, in, in California getting baptized, and that was a Calvary Chapel event. Um, my dad, Southerner, born and raised in the South, I graduated from the same high school my dad did, exposed to just a different way, a more simplistic, but, but it felt like a more genuine expression of what the church was back in Acts, you know, you know before people ruined it. A, a genuine moving of the Holy Spirit. Um, years ago, I went to a conference that was uh, not a Calvary Chapel conference. It was a, it was a pastor's church leaders conference um, of a, <laughs> a bunch of Calvinists. It was, it was Lutherans, uh, Anglicans, Presbyterians. Uh, I was a fish out of water by, by far. And I'm sitting in this pastor's panel, and a guy named Steve Brown who, if you could be a six-point Calvinist, would be a six-point Calvinist. Uh, you know, he's For the talking record, about, there's only five points to Calvinism. Right, right. For those of you who don't get that joke. So he, uh, but, but in this, in this, this Q&A, um, he was asked, you know, what these, what, what I would call dead denominations, what, what needed to happen. And he says, uh, we're, we're, we're toast if there isn't a genuine outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a movement of the Holy Spirit. And someone asked, well, can you give us an example of that? And he was like, I've only seen that once in my lifetime. And it was with Calvary Chapel and Pastor Chuck Smith um, back in the Jesus movement. And I'm sitting there, you know, surrounded by probably non-Christians thinking, yeah, that's my camp. Woo! <laughs> like, like totally excited about that. Anyway, so God was doing this work, and, and, it, and, it, and it hit my dad, you know, 2,800 miles away in Atlanta, Georgia. And, um, and so... He decided to, he had heard that they were doing a pastoring school. It's like a three-month hardcore uh, boot camp for, for guys that wanted to start Calvary Chapels. I asked my mom to marry him. If I get the timeline right, she said yes. Uh, ended up flying out to California. Went to this three-month course up in uh, an area known as Twin Peaks. 
Went to Oregon, married my mom, came back to Georgia, started at Calvary Chapel Church. Again, September of 1980. So, with that in mind, fast forward three years. Uh, church is not very big at the time. Uh, I'm born into the world, and I become an early member. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm an early member of Calvary Chapel, Stone Mountain, as it, as, it's, as it was known then, as it's still known today. And by the way, my dad still pastors the same church, been doing it for over 40 years, which is, which is incredible, which is very, very cool. Um, and, and his right-hand man, uh, James Chapman, has been with him, uh, uh, not at the beginning, but very soon uh, towards the beginning, uh, and has been along the ride uh, ever since. It's, it's hard to think of Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain, A, without Sandy Adams, but also without James Chapman. So I grew up, that's the environment in which I grew up. I grew up in ministry. I grew up... Uh, where, you know, for, for several years, my dad was working another job while he's pastoring this little church. Uh, but as soon as he was able um, to focus his, his full attention to the needs of, of the church and the people of the church, uh, the elders decided, like, hey, we're going to pay you a salary uh, so that you can quit your job and focus entirely. The needs of the church were just growing to the point, you know, that, that a part-time, what we would call bivocational, you know, he just didn't have the time to do both, you know, provide for his family and also take care of the needs of the church. So the church is like, hey, we want you to take care of the needs of the church. And so uh, it was at that point that my dad left what we would call like a secular job and went into full-time uh, pastoral ministry. Um, he's, again, he's been doing that ever since. So I, I grew up in that. I grew up um, in a non-denominational culture in, in a very traditional South uh, I think for the first maybe 10, 15 years, my, my, my grandparents thought my dad had started a cult. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, interesting, my uncle was very, very much involved uh, in the early days of Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain, saw how hard it was to start a non-denominational church, decided to go to seminary and do the same thing through the Baptist denomination, and he's been very successful at that, pastors a, a big church. My, grand, my grandparents have two pastors in the family, two sons, both pastors. So I grew up in this. One of the things I'm, I'm very grateful for is that um, even from an early age, the church was never my father's mistress. Uh, there's a lot of pastors' kids uh, that are absolutely messed up, that hate the church, that want nothing to do with the church, uh, mainly because the church, uh, their, their fathers cheated on their mothers with the church, and so they have that natural resentment uh, like you would have you know, for the mistress of your father. My dad kept life in balance. Again, working great hours, but I mean, there was never, I mean, he coached us in Little League. Uh, he never missed an event. Um, you know, he, he was very present. He was, he was incredibly present. Um, not just for me, but for my three siblings. Um, my dad definitely had life and in, 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 it, was, it was in order. It was prioritized. Uh, the church was very important to him. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but we were more important. And my mom was more important. And, um, and that was um, fundamental to just my development. Um, I, never grew, I never grew up hating the church. I actually grew up the opposite. I grew up loving the church. Um, my dad didn't separate family life from ministry life. He blended the two. Like, he was called to the ministry, my mom, with that calling. And because in God's sovereignty, we were born to the Adams family, we were in ministry. And so growing up, that's what we did. Uh, we, uh, you know, some of my fondest memories are waking up early and going with my dad to church. 
Um, and we would, we would pick up Dunkin' Donuts on the way. We'd pick <laughs> our baseball teams on the drive. We would get to the church, and I, I would take a bottle of Windex and clean the front door while my dad's, you know, finishing up, you know, getting ready for the service, prep for the service, and I'd vacuum. And, like, we just did family ministry. We were around the church, the people of the church. It was all blended together. And very, very much a beautiful thing. Um, I, I will say, and this is a, a unique thing, I think, to pastors' families. Uh, yes, I am the only one that's in vocational ministry, but my, my sister uh, loves Jesus, and, uh, and her husband loves Jesus, and their kids love Jesus, and they are, they are plugged into a church plant um, in Columbus, Georgia, a very cool church plant. Um, my two brothers, uh, Nick and Mac, uh, love Jesus, are plugged into the church. Uh, you know, all of us in that sense, no one, no one grew up departing the faith or being upset with Christianity. And again, I, I think that's a testimony, the great legacy of my, of my mom and dad and how they, how they handled ministry. Now, growing up in this, I understood something very important. I understood the difference between ministry and vocational ministry. And, and guys, I know I'm dominating the conversation right no, now. No, you're I, good. I, I apologize. I know this is a conversation, but... Um, but you're still interested, so I, I still have your attention, so yeah. we're good, right? <laughs> That's a yes? Yes. yes. Yeah, you're okay, good. Good, 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 good. So I, I understood the difference of, of ministry and vocational ministry. Everyone is called to be a minister, and we're going to unpack that in a minute. I knew that, like, I, as a follower of Jesus, as a Christ follower, um, I could go to Georgia State, get a, get a business degree, uh, work in a secular uh, profession, support those that were doing full-time ministry, plug into my church, that I would always be in ministry in some capacity. Now, how much my time was going to be specifically allotted to that was, it depended. I knew, though, that you never, ever, 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 ever go into vocational ministry, pastoral ministry, um, unless God has called you to do that. In fact, I, I would caution anyone thinking about being a pastor if you can, if you can, in your mind, do anything else, like if you have anything else that tickles your fancy and and and, and appeals to you, uh, do that, and then serve Jesus in that and and through that. Vocational ministry, being a pastor, it's one of the, it's a calling, where it's inescapable. It's like, it's like I, I don't think I can do anything other than this. And I know that there'll be sacrifices that I'll make financially, uh, sacrifices that I'll make within within a career, uh, the way that the world views me. This is a difficult life. I saw it. I saw my parents cry themselves to sleep when people would leave the church. People were like, oh, I'm going to leave the church. Don't take it personally. No. If you love it and, and it's your family and you've given your heart to it, you take it personally. So if you leave a church, keep that in mind. People do take it personally. It's it's it goes with the territory. Now you can't do anything to stop someone from leaving, but it hurts. And I've seen my I saw the highs and the lows. I saw you know the church get close to a split. Difficult times. Like I I, I went I went into this with no disillusionment. My parents didn't hide uh, hide it from us. It, they were never superficial. The, the 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 good times and the bad times we were exposed to it all, which again I think gives us. A balance, you know. There was again no disillusionment to, to what ministry looked like, and so I, I'm my senior year of high school. <laughs> uh, I did the joint enrollment program. It was the early days of that, so I did a bunch of college classes. My senior year of high school, I, I graduated high school with about a year or so of college credit, you know, already in the bank, so to speak. And so, 
Um, I had always uh, been interested in ministry, full-time ministry. I'd always been intrigued by it, but I'd never experienced the calling. And that was important. And so weighing my options, I had gotten accepted to Georgia State. And, uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Bible college for a year. Calvary Chapel at this time has a Bible college. It's in California, Marietta. Uh, it's it's uh, Pastor Chuck had bought an old piece of property from the mob. Um, an old hot springs uh, facility bought it from the mob for like $8 million. It's the legend. They had like, it's all 1920s buildings. They had underground casinos. Like it was a thing. (laughs) Rumors that Jimmy Hoffa was buried under the tennis courts, you know, that type of a, that type of a thing. Uh, But by the time I get there, I mean, it was paradise. It was awesome. These natural hot springs all over the campus. And I was like, you know, I'm going to do a year. I had committed to a year. I talked to my dad about it. I was like, I'm going to do a year that won't set me back at all with college. Um, And I just, I've, I've, Okay, I'll be real. Um, the, the appeal of moving out of Snellville, Georgia, of getting away from my parents, um, of living in Southern California, where you were 45 minutes from the beach and 45 minutes from snow skiing, uh, had an appeal. I'd like to say that it was Jesus drawing me to Bible college. No. Uh, there, was a lot, <laughs> there was a lot of other things uh, that contributed to the decision that I made. But again, I had, it was like a year. I'm just going to do a year. Uh, see what the Lord does. If nothing else, it helps me lay a foundation. I get a little life experience. No problem. Well, three weeks into my first semester. And again, this is the fall of 2001. September 11th happened. And I'll never forget the day. Uh, my phone rings at like 6 o'clock in the morning. It's my dad. Uh, we don't have TV. We don't have internet on the campus. Uh, and he breaks the news of what's going on in the world. And the world changed immediately. Um, it was chaos. No one knew um, what was going on. There was the rumors that this was a terrorist attack. There were other planes in the air. Everything was getting grounded. In a moment, in a moment in time, on one day, September 11th, 2001, which we're about to get to the 20th year anniversary, the, the one place on earth on the 10th that I didn't want to ever be was Snellville, Georgia. That moment, the only place on the planet I wanted to be was Snellville, Georgia. It was in that moment that like everything in my life gained clarity. It was like, I don't care about making money. I don't care about a career. I want to serve Jesus. I want, time is short. I want people to know the good news of the gospel. Um, I, want, I want to dedicate my life to the service of my King and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it was a calling. I was ready to, to like, as soon as I could go back home and start, you know, and my dad was like, pump the brakes. You know, Jesus, Jesus said, you know, the poor you'll have with you always, but the son of man, you won't. So you have a unique opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus for two years, uh, to be washed by the word, to just, to just be minister to before you go minister. So do that. So I did. As I'm approaching the, the end of my tenure, had no idea what I was going to do, where I was going to go, whether it's in California, find an internship elsewhere. At the time, there wasn't any type of opening back at my home church. Well, about three weeks before I graduated, the guy that they had just hired to be the youth pastor abruptly quit. Like he had been on the job for like two and a half months and had been one of those, like he had been a volunteer at a big church, thought, I want to be a pastor. And then it took him two months to realize, whoa, there's a lot more to this than I realized. And I'm out. Literally took a duffel bag, walked into the office, put his stuff in there, stopped by James, poked his head in. See ya. I'm gone. And he was gone. Jeez, and so wow. at that point, yeah, I mean, crazy, right? But at that point, you know, my home church, 
I don't have anything. I, I don't have anything lined up. I'm working on it. Um, but now they're, they've got this big hole. They've got a mission trip planned that summer. They had a, a retreat for the, the middle schoolers that was planned for that summer. They had all this stuff planned for the summer. And the, the guy that was you know, driving the ship, the captain, bailed. And so I remember having a conversation with my dad where he was like, hey, why don't you come back just for the summer? Just for the summer. Help us out. It'll give you more time to figure out what you want to do. And we'll just see what the Lord does. There was no guarantee of a job. This was, this was a, 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 I was immediate, an immediate fix for them. And this was something for me to do. So I did. I came back. That first week we started what was called the Strand, which was a high school ministry. And the Lord did an amazing thing that summer. I, I mean, it was one of the coolest summers of my life. And again, I was, I was, I think, 22 years old, which again, you'd be like, well, you're too young to be a youth pastor. Well, my dad started the church at 22. So <laughs> what is age, really? And the truth is, is I, as I was, I was, I thought I knew what I was doing. I was out in front of my skis. Um, I just was uh, full enough of myself to not see it. You know, like, you know, I'm going to roll. And God blessed it. Like he blessed it in spite of me and not because of me. And I did that for the next 10 years. About, a, about seven months later, uh, I took over the middle school ministry, which we called Link. Uh, did both of those for years. Um, ended up getting involved with a release time Bible class organization. I was teaching at a local high school, doing youth ministry. Uh, I started doing all the graphics at the church, doing the web. Um, started doing scheduling for worship. Was taking on more and more roles as an assistant pastor, though I was a terrible assistant pastor. <laughs> Working for your father is, is a difficult thing, right, Nick? <laughs> Very true. <laughs> you know, not, not the easiest thing. You know, it's, it's, it was a joke that, like, it was the best of both worlds because uh, I couldn't quit <laughs> because I loved Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain. It was my home for 30 years. Like, I couldn't quit. And because uh, I was my dad's firstborn, he couldn't fire me. And so it was, it was <laughs> I'll never forget. I'm probably sharing too much. Uh, but I remember having a conversation with my dad where he was like, son, like, you are the greatest uh, assistant pastor I could ask for in the sense that, like, you think like me, so you understand what I want before I know it. Uh, with their synergy in that sense. But, it, but, 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 and this is a big but, it'd be like having a gardener that you love. I mean, everything about the gardener is great. He takes care of the property. Everything looks great. Any problem that arises, he, he handles, he fixes. He's a workhorse. Like, everything about this gardener, this housekeeper is, I mean, primo, except for one thing periodically in a staff meeting, he likes to come into your living room and take a dump on the floor. <laughs> he goes, that's going to outweigh all of the good stuff because you took a poop in the, in the living room. And that was, we called our staff meeting staff infections because they often dissolved into an argument between me and my dad. And again, I, world's worst assistant pastor. As a kid in the youth group, it was a bit of a golden age though. It was a golden <laughs> It was a bit of a golden age. So anyway, so... There I was, and, and, and there's a long story. I'm going to wrap it up that um, the Lord took some difficult circumstances. Again, I'd never quit. My dad would never fire me, but, but the Lord ordained some things, used some things uh, that could have that been very detrimental. Um, and, and I ended up going out and uh, taking Calvary 316, which at the time had been a, a secondary campus. Uh, we became our own church, and God has done a, a unique work there. I was given a, a six-month severance, said, go get it. And uh, the church, there was no way the church was going to be able to support me, but I had six months. Um, 
fully with every intention of probably having to go find a job at some juncture. Um, I've been able to do full-time ministry um, ever since. I've never had to go get a secondary job. I pastor, again, a small church uh, of, of people that are incredibly faithful with their tithes and offerings and, um, and support me so that I can minister to them. And, and that's what's really, what's really beautiful. And, and the Lord's taking care of me and my wife and my family and my kids. Again, I, I opened the show by saying that I pastor the greatest church on the planet. Um, it is. Close second is Calvary Chapel, Stone Mountain, because that will always, always have a special place in my heart. And Creighton, I know that's where you grew up as well. Um, and, and like Nick, I know you, your wife and Derek, your soon-to-be wife, they spent a lot of years there as well. Um, and so we all have deep, deep connections, deep bonds. Now, that's my story. Let me, let me back up a little bit and talk about the difference between like the idea of ministry and full-time ministry. Don't be mistaken. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, um, if you've given your life to Jesus, you've recognized that, that you have been bought by the blood of Jesus, that you've been redeemed and that his grace has changed everything. Um, that, should, that should have a dramatic influence in, in your life and, and should influence everything that you do, including what, what we might constitute as a job. Everything is ministry. Like you are a minister, which means that, uh, you, again, your life is not your own. And whatever, like you're a mechanic for Jesus, so when you are changing oil, like Jesus has ordained you to be in that job, and that is your ministry. Your ministry is changing oil or working um, in an auto parts store or hanging sheetrock or, or laying tile um, or, or working at home on a computer doing finances. Like your job, Jesus is giving you a job. Like your ministry is that. And it's to impact people. It's to be a light. It's to be an influence. It's not about what you're doing. It's about who you are while you're doing it and the impact that's supposed to make. Again, uh, to be salt. Salt is something that's tasted. It's experienced. That there should be an experience when the world comes in contact with followers of Jesus. Something is different. And there's light. There's something that can be seen. Again, salt and light are not heard. They're tasted, experienced, and they're seen. So ministry, we're all called to ministry. Like, I was listening to a Bible study in fact, last, last week in, in preparation, I'm teaching through the, the Gospel of Matthew. And Joe Foch, who's one of my favorite pastors, you know, he said that, that we, we, do, like we often do too much to separate the secular, like the sanctity of the secular and the sacred. Like, and, and, and what he was saying is like, like we make too much of a distinction between pastors and ministry. Um, the only difference between me and, and you guys. There's, well, there's two differences. One, there is a church community that recognizes the need for there to be somebody ministering to them and their family full-time, recognizing that the only way that that's possible, um, the only way that, that, that someone can effectively pre prep a Bible study or make hospital visits, or be on call for emergencies. That, like the only way that someone can, can effectively tend to the needs of a, of a group of people is for them to be able to have enough time to do that. 
again, if I were working a part-time job, well, that's 20 hours of my week that, that I can't take care of the needs of the church. So the church recognizes that, well, we've got more needs uh, than a part-time guy can, can effectively take care of. So, Zach, we want to take care of your physical needs by giving you a salary so that you can tend to our spiritual needs as our pastor. And then as the church grows, as a church grows, and those needs then begin to eclipse that one minister, that one pastor, well, then, then that's when uh, that pastor's like, well, now I need help. <laughs> You know, fulfilling my, my pastoral role and calling in the lives of these people, I can't, like, my 40 to 60 hours a week, because my primary ministry is still my wife and my family, uh, I, I don't have enough time. So that's when now he begins to hire what we call assistant pastors, other people that have the calling, have the, 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 the draw to ministry. Now, the other thing, so, so we're, all, we're all ministering, and we're all doing it full time. I'm doing it full-time in a particular context, and you guys are doing it full-time in a different context. The other thing that's different, and I think that this is an important distinction, is that as a pastor, um, I have a very unique calling. So within the ecosystem of the church, you know, and the Apostle Paul writes about this, that, that there are all kinds of different needs, different needs within a community of believers, and that God raises up different people to fulfill different, different roles. Uh, Pastor-teacher is a, is a very particular role. But there are also evangelists and prophets, and there are different gifts of ministry and of help, of encouragement. My point is that my job as the pastor of a church is to spend my time ministering to the people of the church so that they can go out and minister to the lost world around them. It's sometimes it's, it's kind of like the difficult thing of, about being a pastor. I love talking to non-Christians. Like I love it. Creighton, you've known me for a long time. You guys have known me a long time. You know, one of the things that, that I enjoy doing, I enjoy going to a local bar, sitting at the bar and having a conversation with who knows happens to sit next to me. I'm aware. I'm usually on the other side of you looking at my phone. <laughs> and I enjoy, I enjoy sharing my faith. I, I enjoy telling people that don't know about Jesus about Jesus. The, the interesting thing is that's not actually my specific calling and pastoral ministry. My ministry ends up actually being centered on Christians. I have a ministry to Christians. It's to encourage Christians, equip Christians, teach Christians, pastor Christians, counsel Christians. It's it's Christian focused. It's, my job is to minister to the church of Jesus Christ. Why? So that then the church can fulfill their ministries in the world. So it's, what's different is we're, we're both in full-time ministry. The secular, the, sanct, uh, the sanctified, it's all the same. The, the, the functions and the roles are different. My job is to minister to Christians. It's Christians' job, jobs engaged in full-time ministry to see wherever they are and wherever they are, whatever they're doing as ministry. So with that question, does that, does that give some insight into what you were asking? And maybe Creighton, before you do that, before you answer that, let me throw it over to Derek uh, and Nick. Again, this is supposed to be a conversation. I just dominated the first 40 minutes of it all. <laughs> but, but what are your thoughts about ministry, about the role of ministry, about 
about the question that Creighton brought up. Now you really hit the good broad spectrum of what it means because someone can be individually called to have a gift in ministry or someone like it's just about ministering or caring for the needs of others like no matter what that is I mean like you said we're called to be the salt and life into the world I mean that calls us to minister to the world whether it be consoling somebody and talking with them or being with them or going and helping clean the church or helping you know a neighbor clean up their lawn like an elderly lady who needs help like it, it's just it's literally anything it's just service service like it's not really any definition someone may be called to do something specifically in the ministry like say with you vocationally and you know or, or, called or the, worship leading yeah, or something that's or kind worship of leading, unique anything yeah worship leading is like, unique where there's a need and if you or called to it and you know and God is has a funny way of just laying things out like that for it to be able to work like if you feel called to do something like you said with that guy leaving and then all of a sudden bam like you're just put into it like he's it's it's really cool so I mean it's really just any type of servitude and but no we're called to everything that we do every single person that we talk to or, I mean our thoughts are but everything that we speak out should be in reflection of that whether it is or whether it is or not but it should be well, we should all view ourselves, you know, the Bible talks about the priesthood of the believer, um, the role, the responsibility. Um, I, again, I, I'll say, and again, uh, maybe this hon- honing in on some, some different topics, but like if you're a husband, uh, Nick, you're a husband. I am. You, what, is, what is your primary ministry in this world? My wife. In what way? To provide, to, in all the ways, I mean... To provide, to counsel, to make sure that we're able to live with a roof over our head, to console her when she's hurting, to get get more in, in like a, the biblical context of like your role um, as the head of your home, um, as a reflection. You know, Jesus, His husbands love your wives. Well, yeah, love your love you. Yeah. It's right. not even just love your wives. What's, what's crazy is it's love your wives as what? Christ as loves, loves you. you. Christ yeah. loves the church. How Christ loves, loves us. So your your ministry primarily in the life of, of your wife, Carrie, is what? And within that context. To love her as, as, as Christ loves the church or me. Right. So it's your ministry is first and foremost uh, your wife. Um, I think we can all be honest that <laughs> we have a lot of room for improvement. I know I do. It's so easy to lose sight of that component. I'm nailing it. You're nailing it. That's <laughs> Creighton. <laughs> you know, this is always a good opportunity to just let the listening audience or the viewing audience know uh, that if you're a single lady out there, um, you know, somewhere between, let's say, the age of 21 and 40, um, that is single, ready to mingle with a good Christian man. Um, Creighton is available, very much available, very much loves Jesus. And I'm not bald, I shave my head. So. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, okay, okay. Uh, the if you're watching, Creighton is not a very tall individual. Um, you're on a good day, what, five foot? Like 5'12". Five twelve. Yeah, yeah. No, also six foot. I, agree with that. No, I am. A, I am a solid five four. What's up? Solid five four, and solid is the right word. <laughs> it's the right word. So anyway, good moment. Creighton brings in the fact that yeah, I'm I'm nailing the whole husband thing. Um, Creighton, let me ask you, what is your ministry? How, how 
how is what we what we've been talking about? How does that resonate with? Um, well, it's interesting because I I kind of I appreciate see myself, that. I, I did think it was interesting. <laughs> I kind of see myself somewhere in the middle um, because I I guess I would be vi- tell your vi- story. Vocation. We got some time. Tell your story very quickly, just a little bit about. So the the short the short version is that I grew up in the same church that Zach did. I was about ten years younger than him. My parents started going to the church a few years before I was born. Um, I grew up all the way through um, from my, the way that my mom put it is that I was born on a Tuesday. I was at Calvary Stone Mountain on that Sunday, and I never left um, <laughs> up until I went to up until you left up until I left. <laughs> um, and Zach was my youth pastor all the way through middle school and high school. Uh, up until I went to college, I was at college for a year in Valdosta, which if you're looking for colleges, it's great. Um, We're not giving a plug to Valdosta. I will give a plug Bro, to Valdosta. I went there too. We'll In, give a plug to Valdosta. Yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we got two. We both spent we one got, year each. So we got I don't two. know how the turnaround rate is there, but <laughs> we got two Valdosta dropouts on the Outlaw Radio Show. Spoilers. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't drop out. I just didn't go back. Yeah. <laughs> That's one way of looking at it. I, I, I'm with you. Yeah. So. Um, I have a fake degree. Was, that's fine. No, from an unaccredited Bible college, keep, so no. it's all it's all right. True. So I was there for a year. Um, I had gotten a job with one of my biology professors. I was literally counting mosquitoes by hand, um, and it was the best job I think I've ever had. <laughs> terrible. I loved it. Sounds terrible. Sounds terrible. Um, what 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 did you want to do before you get to this point in your story? I wanted to be a forensic pathologist, which means that I want to do autopsies on dead people. So for all of the single ladies out there that may be interested, are now gone. Now have, have abandoned ship. Thanks Story of my life. Ain't that the truth? So um, I, had this, I had this job set up. I'd been working for it for three a month, for four months. We get to about the middle of the summer after my freshman year. And I went on a youth retreat like I had done for seven years prior with you in Calvary Stone Mountain. Um, and the way that we did it back then was we had a week on the middle school trip, which I was a youth same counselor facility. for. Yeah, same facility. We did, a, we did a week for the middle school trip. I was a youth counselor for that. There was a weekend for the college group, which Pastor James led. Um, and then we did a week for the high school group, which I was a youth counselor for that as well. I was always of the opinion as a youth pastor that if you had to spend two weeks with middle schoolers and high schoolers, that you might as well do it on the beach. Yes. That was like a fundamental. Jessica and I, and this again before kids, man. And then it was the weekend that we would always have. So a group of high schoolers would come down and help us with the middle school camp. And then the rest of the high schools would come down on Sunday for their camp. But that weekend, that Friday and Saturday, they'd get to just hang out with Jessica and I uh, and have more freedom than the college kids that were with, <laughs> with yeah. James. Anyway, so you, were, you, were, you, you couldn't hang out with us because you were in college, so you had to hang out with the college kids. Right. So I was on the college retreat, which was fine. It was a bit confining, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Let bygones be bygones. Exactly. On that trip, Pastor James taught a Bible study um, about um, about Moses and being called to go back to Egypt to lead the Israelites out of Israel or out of Egypt into Israel. Um, and he goes to this point where the where God says from the burning bush, Moses, what is in your hand? Because Moses is being just 
a pansy and doesn't want to do it. He says, Moses, what is in your hand? He's coming up with all kinds of excuses. I got a stutter. Nick, how would that go? Come on, Nick. This is your moment to Nick Nick has. All right. Nick has a fantastic stutter. Anyway, neither here nor there. We just got to get Nick more on the show. So studying a stuttering reference was great for Nick. So anyway, he says, Moses, what is in your hand? Because Moses had spent the last 40 years as a shepherd. And he's like, I want you to literally be a shepherd just with less furry sheep. <laughs> um, is, that, is that how that goes? Yes. That's, with ex- less that's exactly, furry sheep. That's basically what Look, he Look, you've read Exodus. Those people are sheep and annoying sheep at that. I just <laughs> imagine James Chapman probably had a more eloquent way of saying it instead of less furry sheep. But that's I'm how you took it. I'm certain he did. But that's how you took it. That's how I took it. Um, and it was, it was, I was sitting there and it just kind of came to mind. I was like, well, what am I, what do I actually enjoy doing? Like, what do I want to do? And the answer had always been ministry. My plan had always been to be, to go into the forensic pathology and then just do ministry on the side. Um, but at the time, like when he, when he said that, I was like, man, I really couldn't care less about being a forensic pathologist. (laughs) Like it's cool but I could live without it. Um, Not a lot of forensic pathologists in the millennial kingdom or eternity. No, but I know there is one. Dr. <laughs> Darisaw, if you were watching this, you're awesome. She used to go to Calvary. No, Sinai. I'm talking about like the, the actual functional role, role of a, like, like if you had followed through with that, you and me <laughs> would, would fit in the same, like no one's going to listen to me preach when Jesus <laughs> is the king of the millennial kingdom. Like I, right. and I I'm guess working myself a out of a job. I guess there won't be a whole lot of bodies to autopsy no, at the time not either. At all. So, no. um, now there will be a lot of tile to be laid. <laughs> I think in the, millennial king, in the millennial kingdom, if you're looking for a good contractor, glorified Nick's your man. <laughs> Dill Daddy Derek, we're not really sure what he does yet, but... I make sure all the houses have the right amount of bricks. I'm... I'm sure that will be important then too. <laughs> so what happened? Like, so you're in this moment, Crate, and you're kind of evaluating what, like, where your your college, like, your collegiate career is heading. Yes, essentially. Um, and it was it was just in this moment I was like, I don't care about the thing that I am about that I am currently putting myself on a trajectory to spend eight years studying for, and then the next forever amount of time doing. Um, and I ended up taking that that evening and maybe the next day and talking to you and a guy named Andy who goes to our church and a guy named Casey, who was the middle school pastor at the time. Um, all three people who I respected a great amount. And I think I called my mom either the day after that study from James or the day after that and told her that I was going to drop out of college and start cleaning bathrooms at the church to start ministry because I was like this. It was as, it was, as soon as the thought hit me, there was no turning back. Um, now to say why I say that I kind of feel like I'm in between is because that was 10 years ago now. Um, and I don't have any problems with this, but I've never actually had a, I've never had a, I've never had a sustaining job with the church. I've had, a series of secular jobs. I currently have a secular job. Well, and I pour me, a lot of time let me into the jump, church. Let me, let me jump into that because you've <laughs> okay. had very much a sustaining job. Okay, you're at right. The I church have a sustaining in which you've job. not been paid for. <laughs> right? All right, good point, good point. So I'll jump into that. So, you know, I, I was 
several months after that that I'm now going to, you know, Casey moved back to California. Andy and I are leaving the Calvary 316. You're cleaning toilets and just doing jobs around Calvary Chapel, Stone Mountain. And you're like, well, wait a second. You know, all three of the people that I came here for. Are- and I love Pastor Sandy and I love Pastor James, but but Zach is my pastor. And and I want to I want to go to Calvary 316. And you had expressed that to me. And I was like, hey, man, that's cool. The problem is, is that I'm not even sure I can pay myself. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, you should really think through this. Like, I know you're not making much money at Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain, but you have enough to just kind of get by just as an intern and, and, and doing what you're doing. There might be more opportunities uh, there, but you, but you sat down with my dad and you're like, hey, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump ship with Zach, to which he replied what? Are you sure? And you know, <laughs> he can't pay you. Yes. But you made that decision then, right? Yeah, and at the time it was easy because, like you said, I do. I I still absolutely love Pastor Sandy and Pastor James. They are a um, an irreplaceable part of my growth, both as a human being and as a Christian on this earth. They're irreplaceable in that fact. Um, but yeah, when you when you when you guys when you started three sixteen, I was like, well, Zach has been my pastor since I was in fifth grade and I don't want that to stop now just cause he's moving 30 minutes down the road, which is actually kind of close to my house than it is now. And I was like, I'm <laughs> going with him. <laughs> um, I was, I was, it was a very easy, as hard as it was, it was a very easy decision to make. And I was like, ah, I'll figure out money later. I'm still living with my parents. I'm 19. <laughs> Let's go. And what's been, I'll tell you what's been very inspiring about it. And the, and the reason that I wanted you to share a little bit of your story, because I, I think for a lot of people, it might even be more relevant than, than mine is that you have been unequivocally uh, my right hand man at Calvary 316 from the day that I went full time, mm-hmm. you know, to the point that um, when I got a set of keys, there was a duplicate that you had a set of keys and our Sunday mornings, uh, every Sunday morning, uh, I go to Dunkin Donut to get two cups of coffee because you get to the church a few minutes before me to start the, uh, the unlocking and booting up process. And we've been doing that for 10 years now. Um, every Sunday morning, um, you have faithfully served Calvary 316, uh, not just on, on in that role on Sunday, but like whatever needed to be done. Hey, we're short a Sunday school teacher. I don't really want to do it. You got to do it. Okay, I'll do it. Uh, here we go. Uh, to helping out with the, the youth ministry, to, uh, hey, I need a sound guy, Crate. And you're like, I know nothing about it. Well, here's a manual. Read it and figure it out. <laughs> to, hey, we've got this cool outlaw radio thing we're doing. Uh, why don't we do that? Hey, Crate, there's a pandemic. You, uh, you want to risk life and limb and go up to the church and let's figure out <laughs> live stream? I mean, like, like everything that we've done. Um, I, mean, I mean, you're not, like, I, I, I say that you're my brother. I mean, you are... You know, the, the one thing that runs deeper than blood is spirit. And you are, you are my brother in the truest sense of the word. But the entire time, again, you know, I, I've barely been able to pay myself. Uh, and thank the, the Lord that the church has. Um, you've never asked for, 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 for money. Anytime I can bless you, try to, to do that. But, Which I always appreciate. But you have, you have, served, you have served Calvary 316 in an incredible capacity, but you've also gone and gotten jobs to enable you to do that. Jobs that you also saw as ministry, but you were working 
to pay bills so that the rest of your time could be dedicated towards church ministry. And I'll never forget, I know we're running out of time, but there was a season where you were working at a local Mexican joint that we won't, that we won't name. And, uh, and you told them up front, like, I can work any day. I can't work Sunday. I, I, I can't work Sunday morning. I could work in the afternoon if you need me to. Can't do Sunday morning. That's a non-negotiable. Um, and they, they scheduled you for Sunday morning and you like in front of everyone was like, I told you I can't do this. You know, you scheduled me anyway. And he, and he said, what, what was like, paraphrase it. Um, he said, you need to choose either this job or your church. Um, while we were standing like in the middle of the, the, the restaurant floor surrounded by people. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, oh that's easy. Great. All right. Do you want me to finish the day or should I go now? <laughs> that was easy. And the Lord, but the Lord has given you and provided for you. Um, Absolutely. Like to the, to the fact that like, again, I know that if the opportunity presented itself, you would love to work full time at Calvary 316. That being said, God has given you a wonderful job with a fantastic boss. Oh, absolutely. I've been so that, I mean, you have immensely. the full flexibility that you would ever need, right? Yeah, absolutely. Let me it's ask, great. and we got three minutes left, so we're, we're getting close to the end, but Nick and Derek, have you guys, again, and I understand because I know, I know you both, that, that you both understand the idea, like you're in ministry, and I think the Lord continually is challenging you more and more and more in your daily life to look for ways to minister, to have that broader perspective. Have either of you ever, ever thought about being a pastor or, or been inclined a draw to a full-time ministry in, in that capacity? Or even even a, a missionary. Again, we didn't even bring that in, into the, the conversation, mm. but like a missionary often can't work, can't get a work visa, um, so has to be supported in order to do the ministry that they're doing in a foreign land. You guys either felt that call, that draw, that, that moving? Yeah, as a youth pastor, like once before, but didn't really kind of lean into that too much. Like I've done some small group stuff and um, helped like a middle school boys group at a church in Monroe and then some own, my own stuff on, on in private, like having my own groups and stuff with people. But other than that, not really. What about you, Nick? Not really. The only thing that I've come close to that is I've had thoughts. This was not now, but back few years ago about being a counselor and stuff just because I was I'm able to relate a lot with people and be able to talk to them at their level and what they're experiencing and that kind of stuff but that's that's the only thing I ever thought about doing I, that, that's about the gist of, of what the Lord's put on your heart yeah Creighton great topic did we well did, I appreciate that did we unpack it you know sufficiently yeah I thought it was great um I wasn't expecting the the testimonies, which I think are awesome because testimonies are always a great thing. They are. And I think um, within to the hear. topic, it was Absolutely. it was relevant, don't you? Absolutely, I thought it was great. Um, this is what now four for four, where we hit the topic uh, to my satisfaction, and the second time where we went a direction I wasn't expecting but did enjoy. So I you know say, what I, I will say one last thing that the Lord kind of just impressed on my heart. If you are waiting to get hired or to get solicited for a job, if you're waiting for something to do full-time ministry, two things. You don't understand what ministry is, and you should be nowhere near vocational ministry. You do ministry. It's who you are. 
sometimes that gets recognized and you, and you get paid to do it. And that's great. But if you're waiting to do full-time ministry, like you, like you really need to reevaluate your own understanding of what the ministry really is. Because I don't think you understand it. And then I will add that may we all be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul, what he, what he shared more than anything when you look through the sermons that he gave, is he shared a story. We all have a story of, of the life that we had before we encountered Jesus and how that's changed everything. So we're all equipped with that. You're given, you have more than you need. And so I encourage you, if you're, if you're watching or listening on the podcast, uh, go out and minister. Be salt and light. The Beatitudes. Be a witness. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed the Outlaw Radio Show. While the show is live streamed every Wednesday night, the audio is released on our podcast the following morning. If you've yet to subscribe, our podcast is hosted on Apple, Google, Spotify. For quick links to those platforms, just visit outlawradio.org. If you're already a podcast listener, we would like to invite you to join us uh, for the live show uh, every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. You can watch via our YouTube channel, which is outlawradio.live, outlawradio.live, or by visiting facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. Nicholas, Deal Daddy Derek, thank you so much for being on the show. You already thank know. you for your insights. It's always your a pleasure. Feedback, absolutely. Creighton, again, and I appreciate the topic. Hey, always a pleasure, man. Love handling it. all of the technology. Once again, my name is Zach Adams, and I hope you join us this time next week for another episode of The Outlaw. Good, 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 good night, folks. <laughs>